We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're here. I wish I could keep this feeling. I wish I could keep this feeling. What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Corner Podcast. As you can tell, we're back on Skype this week. Still waiting for our upgraded stuff, but we have a great show for you. Once again, I'm Kel Dansby. Yep, and it's Andreas Hale. And this week, we're talking wrestling, boxing, UFC, and a little bit of hip-hop, because Jay-Z is back like he never left. Uh, yeah, I don't think he, Jay-Z ever really left. He's like uh, he's like Steph Curry in the streets. As soon as he, he does a little bit, you know, he slows up a little bit, everybody slander him. But once he's back, everybody wants to be on the nuts. Yeah, yo, I'm, these young kids don't know about that real Jay-Z, that, that 95 freestyling Jay-Z, when he used to spit fast. Right. Before the slow flow came in. Um, but let's start there. You know, two dope boys. You guys done great work over there. Uh, since really he's been dropping these verses uh he dropped on the pusha t song a couple days ago and his verse holds up yeah man drug dealers anonymous um this is the ultimate money laundering song of this uh, this was uh, this some next level stuff i mean obviously Pusha is one of the best cats in the game period but when you match him up with jay-z and these two guys talk about the dope game um i know it's cliche but man what Jay-Z did just kind of talking about laundering money and making this legal dollars, I don't think a lot of cats really understood what he was on. This was not just an average dope boy rap. This is this was Jay-Z at his finest. No, definitely. You can't get that insight really anywhere else. Uh, Pusha T proves probably to be the best drug rapper ever, in my opinion. No one talks that talk like Push. He's been like 12 years deep of nothing but drug talk, and I'm still not tired of it. 
Nah, he's dope. I mean, you know, I think, I mean, obviously, I think Jay Z got him here. Um, but Jay Z's the one who has turned from the streets to the establishment. That guy is, man, I don't know. I can't even, I can't even really explain it. That, right now, that is my verse of the year, right now, because it's just so thorough from top to bottom. Um, and it's just, this just another, this is basically a sign of, I guess we got, we're seeing a Jay Z album in the near future because, you know, all the way up, he murdered that, and then he comes right into Drug Dealers Anonymous. It's going to be hard, man. It's gonna, he's, he was trying to make it rough on these kids in the summer. Yeah, I mean, it was supposed to be Drake's summer, right? Summer 16? And yep. Jay-Z was like, nah, hold on, young buck. Not yet. Let me, let me show you what this longevity is about. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, I'm impressed. You know, everybody didn't like Magna Carta, Holy Grail. You know, that was kind of like his... Uh, so a lot of people was his worst album since Kingdom Come. But um, for me, I'm just like, I, I just, the dude never left. I, rap, rapping is one of those things that you don't just lose. You either, you have it, you may lose inspiration, but it's not like a skill like being a ball player and athlete. Like you, you just might lose inspiration. Maybe Jay-Z wasn't inspired, but for whatever reason, these last two joints, he's been super inspired and in, uh, putting a hurting on the game. Well, I got to put you on the spot. Uh, if people don't know, you did an article, you do the series, The Tens, for uh, Two Dope Boys. And this week's was From Dope Boy to Dope MC. Yep. And a great list. You know, you came through, dropped a lot of tracks from people who rap about, you know, drugs and put some of the best tracks on there. But you don't rank them in order. Yeah. And we, you don't we... rank the rappers. So I'm just like, hmm. I was like, I ain't going to let you slide on this one. <laughs> we need to know, like, yo, you, you put the 10 down, and you, it's a solid 10. No one can argue with the 10 rappers you put, and you gave great examples as far as songs are concerned in the article. If you guys haven't checked that out, head over to Two Dope Boys. It's great article, really well put together. But, yeah, you, there's no ranking system. We need, like, at least a top five. Yeah, we talked about it, man. I mean, what happened is uh, the morning that we got an email that Jay-Z was dropping a song called Drug Dealers Anonymous, we went immediately went, went into overdrive and was like, all right, we need to put together a list of top cats who, you know, rhyme about the dope game from the, you know, from the streets to the to the mic. And immediately, you know, we talked about ranking them, but with such limited time before the song dropped, we decided against it because it was just going to be a headache because we were kind of waffling back and forth. You know, we had Pusha, we had Biggie. Um, which Ten Crack Commandments is still my favorite drug song of all time. Um, that was just, you know, a step-by-step booklet, just like Biggie said, um, and Jay-Z. So, you know, we had to leave a couple of guys off the list. People were upset. They was like, where's Rick Ross? And I was like, yeah, uh, yeah you know, I don't, studio gangsters don't make the list. Um, <laughs> 50 didn't make the list, though. No, nah, 50 early didn't. 50, I mean, Ghetto Quran? Like, it doesn't yeah. get too much more real drug dealing than that. He dropped some real names, like the greats of the greats in that song. He might have gotten him indicted, but, it, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, it, it was hard to keep, like, 50, um, Styles P, Jada Kiss, actually the whole lot. Um, it was hard to keep him off the list, but then you got guys like Tip. You know, people forget T.I. was really about that trap music. You couldn't leave Jeezy off the list. Nah, Jeezy, Jeezy was a snowman in the middle of the game. <laughs> um, cool G Rap was probably the pioneer of <laughs> talking about the drug game. Cool G Rap, uh, uh, he, that surprised me, him making the list. But I understand. How? I mean, come on, man. Like this, he—he's the man who laid the blueprint on the dope boy rap. You know what I'm saying? There was no other rappers before Cool G rap that was really talking about. I mean, you can obviously talk about like joints like White Lines, but 
you know, Cool G Rap was really making those vivid narratives come to life. So we had to put Cool G Rap on the list. It had to be Scarface. I mean, look, he's named after the man. Um, we left, like, Freeway off the list. And Beanie Siegel, we had a hard time leaving off, leaving off the list. But, you know, we were happy with the list that we put together. Definitely and, uh, Fat Joe made the list. Got to keep Fat Joe on Oh, here. man. Don Cartagena. It's like you can't keep Joey Crack off the list. Um, uh, I mean, Ghostface made it. Okay. Uh, well, Ghost, come on. Ghostface and Raekwon both on it. I, How? it. It's it's hard not to put them just in one category. Like, they would have just took up one spot for me. Well, we thought about that. But, I mean, Raekwon's album was only built for Cuban links. And the chef was cooking. And that wasn't the only time. That was you damn know, near the, a collaboration album, FYI. Well, yeah, but then you have, you know, it was really Raekwon with that mafioso rap. If you go back through his catalog, there were a lot of joints that Ray did that was, you know, by himself talking about the drug game. And the reason why we separated Ghost from that list is because Ghost came out with Fish Scale, which was his own album. And he was really, you know, the, the street slang and, and like just the, the, the covert words to, to talk about the drug game. Like Ghost was rhyming those those tales that a lot of cats only in the streets really truly understand um you know spaghetti and noodles like everything that ghost was talking about was really mafioso rap as well so we separated those two because in their own right they stood up on their own so you know again we we, we kind of went back and forth with a couple of guys that we wanted Nothing to put on that. there yeah it was a good list man good list my boy cam ain't make the list it broke my heart yeah we wanted to, we, we thought about cam but i mean you know we look at guys who who did it really rhymed about it and made that transition. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, like we talk about Jay-Z, like Jay-Z got drugged back in the dope game with this particular joint. But prior to that, you know, Jay-Z was strictly boardroom rap. He was, you know, 40s and 30s and new 20 and everything else. So we really looked at those guys who did it really big at one particular point in time. Couldn't, Of course, you can't leave Biggie off the list um, and Pusha, who's still doing it. So, you know, it is what it is. You know, I mean, it's not to glorify the drug game. A lot of pastors are like, you guys are glorifying the drug game. But a lot, there's a lot of parallels between the streets and hip-hop. And there's certain cats that use their narratives from the street life to propel themselves to the next level and get out of the drug game. So we looked at these guys, and we broke, we narrowed down the list, knocked it out the park. And um, if you didn't like it, oh, well, shit, make your own. <laughs> who's the best, in your opinion? Don't have um, to rank them all, just who's number one in talking about drugs? Your all time, your eyes. Jay Z. Jay Z is going to be my number one with Push. Push and Big E are right behind him. Because um, Jay Z from In My Lifetime, Rap Game, Crap Game, Crack Game, um, Everything Off of Reasonable Doubt, Politics as Usual, uh, Can't Knock the Hustle. I mean, this was, we actually got to watch a guy go from the streets who was already making money. You know, a lot of people try to front like Jay Z wasn't in those streets. He was really in those streets. No, nah, they from, even put up his own money to right. start the label. <laughs> So we watched him go from that and make that transition to what he is today. Um, and as exceptional as he's always been in the mic, I don't think anybody's better than Jay. Nah, that's hard to argue. I mean, Jay tops a lot of categories, though. So I'm not mad at that. Like I said, Push has been doing it for 12 years. It's, it's you know, Push is kind of 1A. It, him and Jay are 1A, 1B in that category. But like I said, dope list. It's nice to hear that Jay-Z is coming back. People are recognizing that he's coming back. And uh, they're a little bit off, you know, the, the little Uzi Vert and all that stuff. It's nice to just take a break from all that for a second. Yeah, for real. Because, I mean, there's a lot of people that was like, oh, you guys left, uh, you know, guys like OG Mako. And, uh, you know, I'm like, come on, man. Like, just because you rap about the, dr the drug game doesn't mean that you're dope. Like, this is called from a dope boy to a dope MC. So you've got to be dope. So, you know, we, we did what we had to do. No Lil um, Wayne on the list then.
<laughs> no, no, not at all, man. All right, uh, let's talk about what we were supposed to be talking about. And we had a crazy weekend of UFC, and it's leading into another one. The turnaround is so short uh, yeah. this week for UFC events. Let's talk about the event we just covered, though. UFC Vegas uh, fight night here, headlined by Cody Garbrandt and Thomas Almeida. But let's start from the top, and we had a shocker right away in the fight pass prelims. Aljamain Sterling losing. Yeah, um, I wouldn't necessarily call it a shocker, but uh, you know, a lot of people like myself did expect Aljamain to, to win. Um, but I think it was more of the veteran know-how of Caraway uh, being able to stifle uh, all of, of Sterling's submission attempts in the first round, take over the second and third round, and come away with the, the split decision. Um, I wouldn't have mind, you know, if it was 29-28 across the board for Caraway, I wouldn't have minded. There was also, you know, some cries that it should have been a 10-8 round in the first for Sterling, but. I'm not complaining too much, man. Sterling did what he fought a good fight. Um, he had Caraway in trouble early, but he kind of spent himself. He kind of pulled the Conor McGregor there. He blew his load in the first and really had nothing left in rounds two and three. Yeah, definitely. And that's something you learn as a young fighter. So it wasn't like he was dominated by Caraway necessarily. Um, Caraway was just smarter with his energy. And yeah. he weathered the storm, and Aljamain had nothing. He was just breathing heavy. You could see it in his chest during the second round. It led into the third round. You know, he's just super tired on the stool. Caraway looks perfectly fine. There's a picture actually online where you can just see Caraway and his trainer looking across the cage and just looking at Aljamain like, yo, he's done. And you could tell he just had no more energy left. So Aljamain has to fix that and learn how to balance that and game plan that a little bit better. But he showed glimpses of why people thought and, you know, why he was a top four fighter, top five right. fighter in the world. That first round was dominant. He put him in some type of crazy like chicken wing at one point or it was a full nelson damn near yeah it was weird uh, on <laughs> the ground weird. and you're just like wait is he gonna sub him like that like you weren't sure exactly what was happening um so it he has to get back to drawing board his hands have to get a little bit better he showed a lot of kicks and it looks like he's really been working on that the repertoire is growing but his hands have to catch up to the feet you have to be able to do damage and, and score points by striking and the kicks, a lot of times, don't score as much as a good jab. Well, yeah. I mean, his stand-up is, you know, I wouldn't call it rudimentary, but it's, it needs a lot of work. You know, it needs a lot of polish. Somebody like Caraway, who's also not really a striker, um, you can kind of see that Sterling was weary of standing in the pocket and exchanging with him. Um, and that's really just due to him still learning. He threw a lot of kicks for my liking. You know, I think Caraway could have took him down multiple times, um, kind of leaving him off balance by throwing those kicks. But... You know, you live and you learn. This isn't boxing where you lose a fight and it's the end of your career. Um, this is actually a good learning experience for Car- I mean, for Aljamain Sterling. He'll be back. Uh, he, I still factor him into the mix of the future of that Bantamweight division. Um, it's just that the gap is really wide between the man, Dominic Cruz, and the rest of the division. But, you know, Sterling's got some work to do. You know, I, I kind of figure that he'll have a, a resurgence of sorts um, like Damian Maya did. Uh, Damian Maya was is a grappler first, striker way behind that. And once he got away from grappling and got into the striking game, you know, he was kind of left in the dust. But now that he's got it figured out, he's one of the best welterweights in the world again. So I think Sterling will do the same thing. He'll polish up his striking game, learn how to strike for points, but set up his takedowns a little bit better and work on his grappling and play to his strengths rather than his weaknesses. Definitely. And that all just, you know, it lends to the confidence. He has to be confident in doing so. And right yeah. now he just, he wasn't at that, elite level yet and that's why he needed that test he needed to see how do i do this against elite guys and now you can go back to the gym and say i know the speed 
I know their talent level. I know where I have to get. And exactly. before now, he, he couldn't say that. Um, moving along, there was like only three main fights, in my opinion, on the card that we have to review. And the second one is Henan Burrell coming up short in his debut at 145. Is he washed? Is, is this it? Yeah, it's over. Um, it's over. You can, I mean, you know, people say, well, it was the weight. It was, uh, you know, he ran into a Jeremy Stevens. Look, I like Jeremy Stevens, but he's not that good. And it, it, this, it just about two and a half, three years ago, Hennon Burrell was the number three pound for pound fighter in the world. He was ahead of Demetrius Johnson behind, I believe, only Aldo. Yeah, Aldo and John Jones. That's it. And yep. for good reason. You know, he had won, you know, peeled off 32 wins in a row. Um, he looked unbeatable, but the veil of invincibility has been shattered and he's never going to get it back. And it's a, it's a psychological thing. You know, when he fought Stevens, he looked good until he got hit. And then it looked like it rattled him and changed his life, uh, reminded him what being knocked out felt like. And he didn't like it. So I, I don't necessarily see Burrell being a force to be reckoned with anymore. Um, based off just ability alone, I think, think, he'll, think he'll still hang around in the featherweight division. But he's far, he's a far cry from that elite fighter that we came to, uh, to know and love. See, that's what's weird, because I think it, it might be time, you know, you tested 145, you got healthy, go back, do the weight cut, try 135 again, because you, you need that advantage, you need that power advantage. He looks so small compared to Stevens in that fight, and it made a difference. Steven was walking through punches. He didn't fear Hennon's power at all, and that's something you just can't have, I mean, especially when you're going against, you know, the other people in the division, like Frankie and you know jose aldo at some point conor mcgregor you have to have some pop you have to scare people get them off you and he just didn't show that he could do that those leg kicks weren't the same it it took a lot out of his game to be the smaller fighter so he has to go back down where he can you know really compete yeah i just don't see him competing with the elite of the bantamweight division either that weight cuts hard for him um, he said it numerous times before, but, you know, even leading up to this fight, he never said that he was going to stay at 145. He felt like he needed to give it a shot. But that just tells me that psychologically, Burrell's a mess. He doesn't know where he fits in anymore. And when you're not as good as you thought you were, and you're losing to number nine ranked fighters, and you've been knocked out twice by TJ Dillashaw, who's no longer the champion, it's hard for him to find a place, even in the Bantamweight division. I can't see him competing. Oh, I, I see him being competitive with somebody like a Thomas Almeida or a Cody Garbrandt or and the sun's out, but he's not at the top of his game anymore. And I don't know if that, that weight cut is just is maybe just a little bit too much on him. No, definitely. Um, he has to find a better way to do it. <laughs> that's, that's what it comes down to. You have to be smarter in cutting the weight so it doesn't drain you. And it seemed as though we've seen him have problems like day of weigh-ins. And that, you know, he passed out at one point, had to cancel a fight. It, it seems like he has, he's trying to do it too much at the tail end of it. It's like, just yo, you gotta, you got to pace yourself. you got to be smart about cutting the weight. And to me, it's easier to compete at 135 than 145. Because at 145, there, there's, I'll go and say there's no shot he wins the belt at 145. No, I, I mean, I don't see Chad, him like, Do you see him beating Chad Mendez? He's getting his I, face taken off. I don't see him beating anybody right now. To me, like, I, I don't. <laughs> you don't see him winning a fight right now. No, like right now, I, you know, it has to be a lower level guy. You know, it, it's... These top-tier guys, he needs to find the way he gets confidence back. I don't think it has anything really to do with the weight. It's just confidence. He lacks the confidence to finish fights. He's he's just not the guy he once was. And, you know, you put him in there, a guy who was in the pound-for-pound rankings, 
it's hard to put him in with lower level guys just to boost his confidence. But that's the only way he's going to get it back. You know, once a guy gets beat, once you, once you think you're invincible and you do get beat, it's a real test to see how good you really are. You know, guys like Mike Tyson never recovered. Guys like Muhammad Ali excelled. They got beaten and it made them better. Um, but I think in Burrell's case, he just he's not even fighting the same. You know, when he got rattled by by uh, Jeremy Stevens, like you could see that he did not want to be in that firefight with him. And, I, and you've been knocked out by a bantamweight. You've been knocked out by T.J. Dillashaw. So clearly, 145 is not the division for you. But 135 is not much better. Yeah, it's tough all the way around. People just punching way harder nowadays. It's not the place to be with a glass jaw. Yeah, exactly. Uh, let's talk about UFC 199. Uh, a lot of people what? think it's kind of lost well, you, its you, luster. You forgot one. Oh, how do you, how you skip how over I the forget main the main event? event? I'm bugging. Uh, main event. I should really want to talk about it because I got my prediction right on this. Yeah, you Cody did. Garbrandt versus Thomas Almeida. We knew it wasn't going to the judges. At no, all. we knew that. We, had, yes, we knew that. That was pretty easy to pick. That um, if someone bet on it being a decision, I know the odds were crazy. Um, that's one hell of a bet. I probably should put ten dollars on it just because. But it didn't. It didn't even get out of the first round, and we saw Cody Garbrandt really put his stamp on the division, and he looks like he's going to be the next star in that weight class. Yeah, I mean, what he did to Thomas Almeida, I, you know, I figured Almeida would get rocked. Um, it's kind of like a staple of his fights. It's, it's kind of the thing that turns him on. <laughs> you know, he gets, he gets hit, and then he comes to life. But against Garbrandt, Garbrandt didn't let up. He saw that he rocked him in the first, and then he just poured it on until he got the finish with uh, some vicious striking. Um, and so it leads you to believe that Garbrandt is probably one of the most feared guys in the division. You know, obviously, he leapfrogs his way into the top ten, into the top five. Some people are talking title contention, but you know I'm I'm of the mindset that I you know I wouldn't mind him seeing seeing him fight in UFC Cleveland um, on the same card as Steve Miocic, which is his hometown, against the winner of the Dillashaw Sunsau fight. Uh, if both are healthy in September, I think that's a hell of a fight. You know I know Caraway doesn't necessarily want to fight Garbrandt, but if you know Dillashaw or Sunsau are come away that fight not ready for 203, um, give Caraway Garbrandt's another fight that I'd like to see. Garbrandt's a scary guy. He's he's the he's probably the most well-rounded fighter that we've seen come out of the Team Alpha Male in a long time. You know, most guys are just wrestlers, but this guy's a striker, uh, and he's got a bright future ahead of him. You know, I, I still want to see him get tested against a few guys. I think Caraway would be an excellent test, somebody who's super durable. But man, he put, he really put a stamp on the division, and I, I'm excited to see where his future goes. Definitely, it's hard to knock out Caraway, and his wrestling is so good that he's a guy that can give you know, Cody problems if he just gets him on the ground. It's one of those guys where you can see him stealing the fight, quote-unquote, um, just because he can hold Cody down. It's like right. limiting the opportunities to get punched in the face is probably the best defense against Cody. Um, so that's a great fight. Uh, TJ, I think, stylistically, it's a great matchup for Cody. TJ's going to stand with you. He's going to bang. The history is there. The war of words, uh, you know, already is is built in due to tj leaving team alpha male how he left those rivalries are already set for cody so if they are putting him on a path to the championship caraway at one point trained at alpha male so -hmm. it's like you know what just have him beat his ex-teammates you go caraway then dillashaw and then right after that the title fight is i'm assuming will still be dominic cruz which is, you know, Team Alpha Male's biggest rival ever. Uh, 
I can just see him wearing the Team Alpha Fail shirts and just have yeah. like a cross-out list of all the guys he's beat from that gym. So it, it builds itself. The narrative is perfect. All the stars have aligned. Vince McMahon couldn't write this script any better. Everything's yeah. in place for Garbrandt to make his march uh, through the division into a title shot, and I think he has the talent to do so. You can't teach punching power. It's like Conor McGregor says, he's like 100, no one at 145 pounds can take my left. And for Cody, no one at 135 can take that right hand. Well, I don't know if nobody can take it, but... Well, I you're think... not hitting Cruz with it. That, that's the yeah. difference. I'm not sure if Cruz is going to take it. Because, I mean, I've seen him... He's been put down in almost all his fights. He gets knocked down. The, even... When was it? Uh, Dominic Cruz knocked him down. Or, excuse me, um, Demetrius Johnson knocked him down with a punch. In their fight, you had... Uh, Man, Faber knocked him down twice in their last fight with yeah, punches. But, Do- but Dominic gets up so fast that it really doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, he's really knocked off balance when he's hurt. We've never seen Cruz, like, really hurt in a fight. No, um, but then even Faber, when he beat him in, in their first fight, he was able to capitalize on that loss of balance, get the choke. Well, yeah, but that was so long ago. <laughs> I mean, no, that definitely. Was, that, but that's, that, your, that's your only shot against Do- Dominic Cruz. It's not like... You can go back and find a ton of opportunities where guys have just been like, oh, yes, I, I was on top. You know, I, I had a good shot against him. He, he, the guy gets hit three, three times a fight, and he fights with his hands down. Yeah, he's, he's, he's very deceptive. And, and that's a guy, you know, again, to me, uh, after, what he, after we talk about 199, I mean, it's, he's arguably the third best pound-for-pound fighter in the world between him and Luke Rockhold. Uh, they're, he's he's a complete package right now. What scares and, me, though, against a guy like Cody is the same thing you see when Anderson Silva fought and lost to Chris Weidman. Is when you put your hands down and you use all that speed and agility, someone with legit one-punch power just has to clip you, and it's, it's lights out. So Cody yeah. has the power to just clip him while he's in one of those awkward, weird movements and what usually just knocks him off balance and stuns him versus some of these other fighters is now a KO just that quick. Yeah, again, it, it, with somebody with a footwork at Dominic Cruz, it's something that Cody Garbrandt hasn't necessarily dealt with. Almeida was there for you to hit, um, and we knew that. Like That's why we knew this fight wasn't going to go the distance. So it's, it's just a completely different beast when you're fighting somebody like Dominic Cruz who can also take you down. So. It's it's for me. It's way too soon to talk about Cody in the title picture. I, I really need to see him in another fight or two. I wouldn't want to rush him either. You can really build towards the Cruz fight. Um, and well, again, we'll see how Cruz looks this weekend, and that'll kind of be a litmus test to, to see how far uh, uh, Dominic Cruz is from the rest of the division. And we didn't mention uh, another great test for Garbrandt possibly at two hundred three is John Dodson, and that'll give yeah. you a great idea on how Garbrandt, who's more of a you know stand and trade and striking type of guy handle someone with ridiculous speed yeah definitely i mean john dawson's a guy who can slug it out with the best one he's lightning fast um and now you know making the move to uh bantamweight could be the best thing for him so the bantamweight is again i've said this before bantamweight has the most intriguing talent when it comes to young talent um that can really stand the test of time uh you know you have the dodson you have lineker you have uh, Garbrandt, Almeida, Sterling, Caraway, Cruz, Faber. I mean, this is a deep, deep division. Um, you got the old guard still sitting on top, but then you got you know guys like 
Cody Garbrandt and, and Thomas Almeida here to knock some of these old guys out. So I'm excited to see how this division goes in the near future. No, definitely. Now let's talk about 199 that I tried yeah. to jump ahead to. Uh, Rockhold versus Bisping now. Uh, we talked about last week Chris Weidman injured again. Seems like every other title fight this guy is injured. And that's really going to be the downfall of him in, in the end. He just can't stay healthy. And right. That's, you know, it's going to limit him in some way or another. If at one point him and Luke Rockhold were athletically equal, Rockhold's been healthy. He has it. You know, Rockhold is now just separating himself from Weidman and really others in the division. Yeah, I mean, I've said it before. I'll say it again. I think Rockhold is the one of the most complete packages in all of MMA, uh, from wrestling to grappling to striking. Um, he's got it all. And this fight with Bisping should be short work. You, you've got a guy in Bisping who's already been defeated by Rockhold before. His damn kid isn't even picking him to win. That's a like, damn yeah. shame. You see that? Yeah, your son doesn't pick you to win? Yo, it's time to pack it in, buddy. I'm glad he's finally got his title shot. I will say that. I'm glad that Michael Bisping, for all that he's done in the UFC since the Ultimate Fighter Season 3, for him to finally get a title shot is long overdue. But you're running into a buzzsaw here and a man who's clearly on another level. Yeah, and I, I see no signs of slowing down for Rockhold at all. No. I mean, the guy's the most well-rounded fighter in the division. He trains Easily. with some of the best wrestlers in the world, if not the best wrestlers in the world of MMA. And then his striking and his kicks are so fluid for a guy that size. You know, the strength-speed combination that he has. Uh, I'd say his punches are probably his weakest attribute, and he has knockout power. Yeah. So, and, yeah. and those are elite, you know, damn near elite level. So I, I don't know how you beat the guy. You have to hope that he gasses. And you take advantage of him. Uh, he gassed a little bit in that Weidman fight. Weidman just, you know, had taken a pounding and he couldn't take advantage of it. So that's the only way I see Rockhold losing outside of, like, you know, a, a roided up Belfort kick to the dome piece. I, I don't see any way else to take this guy out. No. The, the, the middle of the division is, is Rockhold's and... You know, even Weidman, um, it was funny because Rocco said it on uh, the MMA hour, Ariel Hawani, that, you know, he thought Weidman just fought a stupid fight. And he just thinks that Bisping's a more tactical fighter. And Weidman's not as, not necessarily not as good, but it's a different kind of fight. And when it comes to points fighting, it's it's kind of, I think you can see it's a little bit more um, challenging for Luke Rocco versus a guy who look, you can look to finish like Chris Weidman. I just don't know if anybody, anybody could beat him. Um, the only person that should have been in the title picture who is not is Jacare. And even even still, as much as Jacare has improved, you know, it's really going to be a hell of a time beating Luke Rockhold. So, but this, their first this, fight was great. I mean, it's you know, oh, yeah, the division, one of the classic fights in the division. Uh, probably Rockhold's closest fight, I would say. Yeah. Today, yeah, definitely. Uh, I don't. Once again, Belfort, TRT, excluded. Asterix. I say that's yeah. I say that's his toughest fight to date. So for them to run it back will be great. I, I still don't understand what went behind, you know, Jacare not taking this fight. Freaking, he just fought. It seemed like he finished it early. He didn't take that much damage, but I guess his knee got injured doing something. I don't know what it was. Yeah, I mean, if the man's not healthy, the man's not healthy. I, I again, I, I think I've talked about this to exhaustion before. I'm not of the mind that said that if you say if you blame a guy for not taking a fight on short notice, I just think that's ridiculous thinking. 
You know, if Jacare's not ready, he's not ready. It's not his fault that Wideman got hurt. I know it's the opportunity of a lifetime, but then again, it's not like Jacare's never going to get this opportunity. You know, <clears throat> you would think, but you just don't know when it happens. Like, look at Bisping. He's been waiting a decade for this title fight. Someone always jumps in. Someone always comes up. Even if they give Jacare the title fight next, what's to say he doesn't get injured and get skipped again? It's, I, when it's I there just, to have, it's just so... It's Sometimes it is it's difficult to be like, okay, he's passing it up. Like, how injured are you? Or it's, it is selfish to think like, okay, a guy, he should be 100% going into the biggest fight of his life. Or as close as you can. Yeah, and I mean, to tell him not to be. But it's like, yo, you don't know. These don't show up every day. There's one belt, my man. Go after it. I'm just all I'm saying is if you are not healthy and you are asked to take a fight on short notice in a camp that you have not even prepared for in the biggest moment, because once you lose that title fight, that's all that matters. It doesn't matter if you pass up a title fight. Once you lose, it's a wrap. And for somebody like Jacare, who's going to need to properly prepare for Rocco because somebody they met before, I'm, I have no qualms with him passing up on this fight. I just really hate when we, we blame the fighter who gets called on short notice to take the fight. Like if Nick Diaz, I mean not Nick, if Nate Diaz didn't fight Conor McGregor, I wouldn't be mad at Nate Diaz. It's short notice. It puts you in an odd position. Now obviously you can seize these opportunities, but you look at Conor. Should he have fought Nate Diaz on 10 days rest? No. At he 15 really shouldn't pounds have. heavier? No. Probably he should sh- not have. <laughs> you know, and, and all that people remember is the fact that you lost. They don't really care that it was short notice. The record book doesn't say any of that. The record book only says who won the fight and who lost the fight and how. So in the sense, in the case of Jacare, he's going to get his title shot. If he gets hurt when he feels like he's healthy, that's maybe the, maybe it's in the stars and it just wasn't meant to be. But I'm, I'm just not upset. I mean, Bisping had to take the fight. I mean, shit, he was never going to get a title shot. He exactly. had to take it. Yeah, yeah, but, no. He, I mean, Weidman was going to get the next run. And then, you know, whenever he came back, if someone else would have taken this fight, or even if Weidman would have stayed healthy and then lost, the next one would have went to Jacare. And then after that, you just don't know who jumps you. Yeah, it's, it's, you, if you're bisping it, you never know. But when you're Jacare and you're that good, you, you, you say, you know what, no, I'm good, and wait till I'm healthy. If that man didn't feel like he was ready, he wasn't ready. Definitely. Let's go through, uh, I'm going to just name off some of the fights of the cards. We'll make our official prediction so we can start talking about WWE. Uh, we have Clay Guida versus Brian Ortega. Um, the unbeaten Brian Ortega versus Clay Guida. Clay, Clay Guida needs a win here. Um, I that the man's a cardio machine, but I, I just don't know if he can get past Ortega and as good as Ortega's been. I'm going to pick Ortega in this fight, um, not by a landslide, but I think he's I think. Weeda's best years are behind him, and, I, and even if he gets to a firefight, whatever he does, I think Ortega's going to be a little bit better than him. I think Ortega is, is definitely better, but I'm going to say Clay Guida pulls the upset, just because Clay Guida's good for one of these, like once a year, every now and then, where you know you throw in that next prospect against him, and he just surprises you. That's why he has, what, wins over the top three guys in the division? He, yeah. He beat the champion, like, Clay Guida has he does this to people who eventually reach their potential and become champions or elite level fighters. Somehow he beats these guys. So um, I'm just going to say Clay Guida pulls an upset in that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have Darius versus James Vick. Ooh, um, James Vick hasn't lost since he fought Michael Chiesa, the Ultimate Fighter finale. Benel Darius is a tough ass guy. Um, I. I'm going to go with uh, Vic here cause just because Vic's been rolling. And I, I think 
I don't. I'm not. I'm not super high on James Vick, but I do think that he'll be a little bit better than Darius on this night um, and keep that winning streak alive and remain undefeated. It's always these guys who you know, like Miles um, Jury, who are undefeated. And you look at him and like, really, he's undefeated? Yes, he's undefeated. And James Vick will remain undefeated, I think, after uh, facing Darius at 199. I'm going with Darius. We disagree again. Um, Darius is tough. That to me, Vick doesn't have that knockout power stand-up game that you look for. Darius is just going to grind him out. He's going to make it an ugly fight. It's going to be on the ground all three rounds. So if you guys are expecting, like, a firefight in this one, and it's not going to happen. You know, take your bathroom break if you don't like it. There's going to be some good groundwork, some, you know, good wrestling, good, good jiu-jitsu. And I think uh, Darius is going to win the fight. All right. And then we have Jessica Penne versus Jessica Andrade. Jessica versus Jessica. Yeah, um, this is a, another fight that's a toss-up for me. Um, Penny came off of getting mauled by Joanna. Um, and Andrade, yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, I'm not very, I've never been really high on Andrade. She lost to Rocky Pennington uh, via rear naked choke. I'm going to go with Jessica, Jessica Penny in the bounce back in the Battle of the Jessicas. Um, Andrade, she's, she's good, don't get me wrong. But she's lost two of her last three fights. And I think Penne really needs a bounce back win here, and I think she'll get it. Yeah, I'm picking Penne too. Um, Andrade has a little bit more of the power advantage. She's just built stockier, you know, a little lower to the ground. She she kind of looks like a little pocket Tyson in there for 115 pounds, but it's not going to be enough. She hasn't shown me anything in the last couple fights to prove that she's going to beat Penne, who's like you said, is trying to work her way back up in a division yeah. that's you know kind of wide open at the top, outside of you know whoever is facing Joanna. So it. It could really lead to something big in the next year, and she can go right back up and get a title shot. Um, the main event for the prelims, Cole Miller versus Alex Caceres, supposed to be BJ Penn. Yeah, so so sorry, out. IVs. Yeah. yeah. Can't use them as easy, bro. So uh, this kind of lost some of the luster for me. I'm going to take Cole Miller because, you know, Bruce Leroy just, he's up and down for me. I don't think he figured it out yet. Yeah, it's, I mean, once he gets to the ground, you know, Caceres is usually lost. Uh, Cole Miller will get him to the ground and probably choke him out. Um, he'd be a fool to stand there and trade with him. So, yeah, Cole Miller is a short-notice fight. Yeah, of course, Caceres, there's, he's, he's always been a little bit dynamic on his feet, but I just don't see him beating Cole Miller on this night. No, nah, Cole Miller takes that. Let's get to the main card real quick. Bobby Green versus Dustin Poirier. Um, this is a really intriguing fight. We haven't seen Bobby Green in, I want to say, 16 months. And Poirier has always been the future of something. Um, he was supposed to be the future of the featherweight division. He ran to a buzzsaw known as Conor McGregor. Um, before that, he lost the Korean Zombie. So at featherweight, Dustin Poirier has looked excellent. Uh, Bobby Green is he's he's one of the he's one of the more underrated fighters who's flown to the radar for a long time. But I think Poirier is a little bit more complete. I think at you know in this division at lightweight. He's, he may be a, a bit stronger. Um, you know, the weight cuts, you could tell they wore on Poirier. And he needs to make a statement. So I think this is going to be a great fight. Uh, I'm going to go with Poirier via decision. Uh, I think, the, you know, once the fight gets to the ground, Poirier will have the advantage. There will be some heated exchanges in this fight. But I think Poirier will squeak this one out. I think Poirier finishes Bobby. I, I'm going with second round. Uh, Dustin looks like a completely different guy at 155. Uh, Bobby Green, like you said, long layoff. And this isn't the guy you want to come back against. You know, he's trying to move up in the rankings. Poirier just broke into the rankings. He's not trying to give it up. And to me, he has the talent to be a top five fighter in the division. 
and he's going to show it. He's going to finish him second round. Wow. Uh, yeah, I don't see that one coming. If Edison, Bar- if Edison Barbosa and Josh Thompson couldn't beat Bobby Green and Pat Healy and Jacob Volman, James Crow, I don't, I don't see Poirier doing it. But, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he did. I just don't see it happening. I think it's going to be a really good fight. Definitely. No, it's going to be a great fight. Um, then we have Dan Henderson, who still somehow ranks in the 185-pound division versus Hector Lombard. Yeah, um, I think Henderson's, Henderson's going to have to find a way to weather the storm. Lombard's going to come at him fast. Lombard's making the jump back to middleweight, uh, where he will probably take Henderson's spot at number 15 once Henderson gets knocked out. Uh, this is Dan Believe Henderson's swan song. Hector Lombard is number 14 currently. Well, he shouldn't be. <laughs> um, he, I mean, he just came out from welterweight. I guess, you know, people just felt like, I mean, the rankings committee, whatever. Um, Aren't but, you part of that committee? Yeah, and I don't have Lombard there because he hasn't competed at middleweight in some time. Uh, some of the, again, some of the guys on the ranking committee. There's a bunch of us that, that I wouldn't, I wouldn't put Lombard there yet. He needs to win this fight. He's just coming back. He's just coming off of a loss. But this fight with with Henderson, if you know, if Hend- if if Hector Lombard comes out like the old Bellator Hector Lombard and just storms Dan Henderson, I don't think Henderson can do nothing to stop him unless Hector Lombard comes in there with his chin up and eats an H bomb. That's always possible. Always the, a great equalizer. Taking yeah, that the, H bomb. <laughs> the, the one thing that never goes is the power. So Dan Henderson, if he can catch, if he can weather the storm, close his eyes and land a bomb, he can win this fight. Otherwise, I think he gets ran over. Yeah, I think Hector Lombard uh, sends Henderson into retirement, finally. You know, it, Dan's had a great run. He's had some exciting fights. His record, I mean, still, you know, over 60% win percentage, which is great for someone who's been fighting as long as he is. But it's it's time. It's time to walk away so Lombard can usher him into that. Now, if it goes second to third round, we know Lombard's conditioning hasn't been the best. So, you know, Henderson has a chance if it goes deep. I just don't see it going that deep. Yeah, not at all. Uh, Holloway versus Yamas. I don't know. Ricardo's been up and down to me. But uh, who do you have? I got Max Holloway. Max Holloway is, uh, you know, he fought the toughest guys when he was young. He fought the Dustin Poirier. He fought Conor McGregor. Uh, when he was just breaking in, and that's made him a more hardened fighter. And against somebody like Ricardo Lamas, who's Lamas is, has always been, he's turned into a one of the better gatekeepers of the division at this point. Uh, he's a tough out, but I think Holloway, as his he's refined his skill set, um, his striking, his ground game, he's durable as hell. Um, when he needs to fight a points fight like he did against Jeremy Stevens, he can do that too. So I'm, I'm picking Max Holloway here to be, beat Lamas. I don't think it'll be a knockout. Um, I think it may be another decision unless it gets deeper and Lamas' cardio gives out on him and Holloway gets him with a submission. Yeah, I'm going with Max Holloway. I think it goes to the cards, but I, I think it's a unanimous decision for Holloway. Uh, like you said, Yamas is good. I, I don't think he's in that elite class at 145. His number five ranking is a little high for me. And like I don't know. We, we might see that change soon. Who knows? But... I just don't think he's with those guys. And I think Holloway is about to make sure his name is amongst those guys. I think Holloway now can compete, you know, with the Edgars, with the Aldos. He's gotten that good to me over the past year or so. So I have him win this fight pretty easily. Yeah, I don't think it'll be easy. Uh, Ricardo's he's a tough guy, man. You know, he, even I, he I think he's going like... to make it look easy. I think he's, he's that good now. Uh, Holloway is. I mean, yeah, he's he's that sharpened. I, I think Lamas will be his toughest test. Um, his toughest test, not necessarily to date, but his toughest test in terms of making that leap into the elite of the division. So 
Yeah, I, I mean, I'm with you. I'm picking Holloway, I, I, but I think uh, I think he'll look. He'll. I think Max will look bit, better as the fight wears on and take this one pretty handily. Uh, then we have Dominic Cruz versus Uriah Faber. I mean, this is Dominic Cruz. I think the, the two the title fights on this card are the most one sided fights on the card. So I, yeah. I just watched the Faber Cruz two fight and it was closer than many people thought. Like no, Uriah it, it Faber didn't was. get punked out. He seems to time Dominic Cruz better than anyone else. No, I, I agree. I mean, the, the second fight, you know, a lot of people, well, not a lot. There were people that actually had Uriah Faber win in that fight. Um, I think that he's so familiar with him. But the uh, the time off for Dominic Cruz actually did his body better than most fighters. And I think that'll show up here with Uriah Faber, who's been in the storm, who, you know, he got trucked by Frankie Edgar. Um, there's a reason why he's back at Bantamweight, but... This is, the, this is the fight that I don't see Dominic Cruz winning, I mean losing, and I think he wins this one pretty emphatically. I think he dominates Uriah Faber. I don't know if he stops him, but I think he dominates this fight, um, looks good doing it, you know, calls him Team Alpha Fail, and sets up down the line a WrestleMania-esque type match with Cody Garbrandt. I agree. I mean, Cruz, what, those injuries came about when he was 26? Yeah, three 25? years. Like, that helped him. That the injuries came when he was young enough that he still now is catching up. He's still in his prime. He still has another three or four years in his prime in MMA. So it didn't rob him of his prime. And I think Uriah Faber is now past his prime. He's tough. He's good enough to beat, you know, the bottom half of the division. Hell, the bottom half of the top ten. Uriah is still good enough to go in there and put on great performances. But can he beat the elite guys? No. Can he even beat, like, a guy like Garbrandt, even though they're never going to fight? No, he couldn't beat a kid like that. I wouldn't pick him against Thomas Almeida either. You know, it's mm, just, I don't know about that. You know, I, 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 he's like, towards I, the end. I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't pick him against Almeida. I, I couldn't I mean, do it. Look, he when he lost to Henan Burrell, you know, a lot of people thought that that was premature stoppage. Um, he lost against Frankie Hager, who was just who's just a better man. Got he's a pound mauled for pound by fighter. Frankie. Yeah. yeah, just a better pound for pound fighter, but. You know, I mean, you go back and look at the Michael McDonald fight, for instance, where a lot of people thought Michael McDonald was like the Thomas Almeida of the division, the guy on the rise. And Faber just, he dominated him. So, in a sense, I, I don't think Faber is, you know, he, I don't think he's a bottom half of the division guy. I, I still think he's there with the top half of that Bantamweight division. Um, top fight five, with, maybe? Maybe? At yeah, this I point? Mean, at this point, uh, top five, definitely. Until somebody can prove, because he only loses to top tier guys. He doesn't lose to, to middling guys in the division. I believe ever. he only loses title fights. He only I, loses title fights until he lost to Frankie Edgar. But okay, prior yeah, to that, that's, that's it. And yeah. You fight Brown. Frankie Edgar. Frankie's about to be a champion. He only loses to champions. And Frankie has saying. been a champion. You know, he, he lost to Burrell. He lost to Jose Aldo. Um, he lost to Dominic Cruz. I mean, everybody else Uriah Faber showed up against. So I, I would never write off Uriah Faber in any other fight, but I do think that Dominic Cruz is just that much better than him in this fight. He's going to prove it over the course of five rounds. Yeah, and I think it takes five rounds, and I think Cruz dances around him. We get to see the fancy footwork. We get to see, you know, the, the quick little pop shots. He's going to show the takedowns again, which he just did so perfectly in that second fight. His takedowns are just lightning quick. Yep. Um, so we'll see Dominic do that, and it'll be Dominic's style of fight, and then he'll move on, and we'll see, you know, who gets him next. If TJ gets another shot at him or... You know, if Cody works his way up fast enough to prove that he deserves a title shot. Uh, main event, Rockhold versus Bisping. A lot of people are just riding off the count. Like, he has no damn chance. 
He You're doesn't. one of those people. He has no chance. This is a, this will be a first round finish. This will be something Damn. that'll be swift and swift and devastating. First I, round. I, yeah, man. I don't think Rocco's come here to play. I think as much as Bisping has talked, that's only incited Rocco. And the short camp doesn't help Bisping either. So there's too many things working against him here. Um, I, I'm figuring the first round finish, whether it's a knockout or submission, I don't think it really matters. If Rocco wants to drag this thing to the mat and just kind of and choke him out, he can do that. If he wants to kick his brains in, he can do that as well. Um, I think this is a mismatch of epic proportions. You know, Bisping is he's he's was on a string of wins, but he's not he's he's in there with the wrong guy. He's in the wrong place, wrong time against a guy who's clearly incensed and has something to prove. And Rocco wants to prove he's the best fighter in the world, and he's just going to use uh, Bisping as a stepping stone. And I think he might be slightly motivated by the fact that Dominic Cruz is also on this card. And he's going to want to look better than Dominic Cruz. Oh, definitely. He wants to be the man uh, at, on any card he fights at. And I think even the, like the Conor fight last time, he was like, I'm going out there, I'm going to put on a show against Weidman. He, he knows how good he is, and he knows how big of a draw he is. Um... That being said, I'm not dumb enough to pick Michael Bisping to win this fight. You know, this is still my job. I'm not going to say stuff for the sake of saying it. I'm not Skip Bayless, uh, contrary to people's belief. Hmm. Um, but I'm not going to say that it's a first-round finish either. I think Bisping has shown in his last couple fights that he has that awkward style and he dances away from people. And it takes a while to just figure him out. So when you get back into the octagon with him, it's just like, damn, this guy's kind of annoying. Uh, Rocco said that as much. Um in the embedded series like you know he's just kind of annoying and a lot of times he's just not there to be hit and he fights like jim carrey in ace ventura where he does all that stupid head jerky movements when he's coming at you and you know I, i'm gonna go third round when you know the lack of a true camp when that preparation really sets in and rockhold's just been leaning on him for a couple rounds and then he gets taken to the ground and choked out and his body gives out on him but for the first two rounds, I see him doing the Ace Ventura, you know, herky-jerky shit and, and surviving and not getting kicked in the head again. I don't see it. <laughs> I don't see it. <laughs> well, I, I you see and the it. rest of the MMA media is giving him very little chance. Nah, man. I, I just I don't see it. I, you know, when, I, when I've seen Luke Rocco fight and strike for us, he, he's just too damn good. And he's, he's not going to let somebody who steps in on short camp talking shit beat him. It's just not happening. Yeah, the shit talking doesn't help. You don't really want to motivate the guy. No. All right, so we got through UFC 199. We're not taking a break today because we're trying to make the show pretty quick. Uh, we'll talk about it at the end, but both of us are going on vacation. Yep. And we'll talk about what that means for us. But right now, let's switch over to the WWE because we had Monday Night Raw, and we have to preview the NXT special that's actually coming up here yeah. uh, next week. I, it'll probably happen before we get to record another show. Um, so we'll preview that now as well but let's start with raw the return of john cena clay thompson's daddy didn't watch the final so he could watch cena come back hustle loyalty respect yeah um all right so raw was pretty bad um <laughs> raw was pretty bad in the sense that maybe they just threw it in the dumpster because they knew they were uh competing against the nhl and the nba um uh, in, a, in a huge game seven, so it, it was a hell of a week for John Cena to make Cena to make a comeback. But this RAW kind of sucked, um, with the exception of, and it's kind of weird that this 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 turn happened because you know Cena came back, gave a, a silly little speech, talked about, and weirdly enough, talked about the new era and being the old guard, not rolling over. AJ Styles comes out, gives him his respect. Uh, Gallows and Anderson come out, look 
looks like they're going to turn on AJ, and then the club is reunited, and it feels so good. Yes, I love the AJ Styles heel turn. A lot of people are upset, like, oh, you're killing money. AJ Styles is marketable, blah, blah, blah. You know what? Vince has enough guys for that. You have enough nice guys with a smile. Let's make this happen. You don't have enough heels. You don't have enough heel factions. Um, this allows them to bring Finn up and establish his character as the demon away from the, you know, the Bullet Club at first. And then maybe he joins the Bullet Club. Maybe they pull it off like, you know, The Rock when he joined the Nation of Domination. You know what, Finn? We know you're great. You're amazing. You're going to come in here under AJ Styles. You're going to win the IC title or, you know, the U.S. title while AJ is still in the main event picture battling for the major title, um, especially if there's, you know, two titles in a brand split, which it seems like we'll get and it'll be Styles versus Cena for the world heavyweight title on SmackDown. And then, you know, we'll, we'll see Finn battle for, like, the smaller titles and then eventually turn on AJ Styles and, you know, the winner gets the Bullet Club. At, at yeah, the you're end, getting way ahead of yourself. Way yeah, ahead of damn. myself. But, I mean, that's, that's what in my head was setting up. And I was like, damn, it's perfect. Perfect, perfect, perfect. You don't got to rush any of them. Don't got to rush anything. Everything's planning out well. AJ Styles remains in the main event picture, um, and I'm just happy to see it. And I think the turn was needed, and it was my favorite part of Raw. And I was just happy to see Cena back too. He didn't wrestle, you know, or anything. I I just like you know him coming out. The John Cena sucks, all that good stuff. I mean, it was the only part of Raw really. I mean, like I said, Raw was a pretty trashy show this week. Um, well, we had the Money in the Bank guys in a, a tag yeah. match that was pretty good. Yeah, it was, it was whatever. It was your, your by-the-numbers tag match for Money in the Bank, guys. But AJ Turner heel, I mean, it's cool. That I don't like – they need to change the name. I don't like the club. I, I, it just sounds stupid at this point. Um, well, they can't call it the Bullet Club. No, of course not. I just don't know what they're going to do. Um, but, you know, it'll be interesting to see if this leads to a, an extended program between John Cena and AJ Styles. What I don't want to see is AJ Styles lose another match to a top name in, in the company. I don't want him to see him being the, the guy who makes everybody look good because that's essentially what AJ Styles can become. The high-priced jobber. Yeah, like that's not what I want to see. Hopefully, you know, his affiliation with Gallows and Anderson will lead to a few beatdowns. Um, and, you know, maybe the Gallows and Anderson get into the title picture. The brand split is coming up, which we'll discuss a little bit more. But, uh, I, I mean, it was, it, was, it was legit surprising, you know, that AJ turned on scene at that particular moment. I didn't see it coming. I, you know, I kind of looked up at my TV and was like, oh, shit, really? Word? <laughs> this is where we're going? So I'm with it. Whatever the future holds, we'll have to wait and see. Um, you know, plans are, are kind of foolish, you know, future planning, because all it takes is one injury to ruin everything. But uh, we'll see where this goes, man. We'll see where this goes. And hopefully this, this program with Cena ends up being great. I'm hoping that it carries into SummerSlam. It just it feels weird where we're at with Money in the Bank right now. Definitely, but I mean, what we have three pay-per-views to SummerSlam. This is about the time where they should start this rivalry. So, if this is the program heading into SummerSlam, it guarantees AJ what a top, you know, two or three matches SummerSlam. I'm alright with that. Yeah, I mean, we'll, you know, we'll see. By the time we get to SummerSlam, the brands will be split, and we'll see where everybody goes um, and, and one how person, they all play Which out. is crazy with the brand split that no one's talking about is Brock Lesnar. Like, oh yeah, yeah. So whoever we have gets no Brock, idea what's going. yeah, like, is he going to Raw before, you know, he's on SmackDown? And at a point, he was the face of SmackDown. Um, right. So do you keep him there just because of, you know, relatability to the early 2000s? Or does he go to Raw and, like, just wreck Roman Reigns at some point? 
do they protect Roman Reigns on Raw by not putting these guys who need the belt or, you know, John Cena and Brock and all this stuff over there so, you know, Roman doesn't have the pressure to give up his title. It, it's interesting. Uh, no, it definitely is. Seth Rollins, the return of Seth Rollins and what the hell that means. Seth Rollins comes out and he stays heel. He's chicken shit heel, man. I don't, I don't, again, I feel like... He's this not is, chicken shit yet. You okay? You're jumping the gun. He is not no, chicken this, shit yet. He, he is the same Seth Rollins that we left with. You know, the whole mind games thing, running back and forth with Roman Reigns, that was stupid. It was, look, for a guy, I, I'm not saying that, I don't necessarily, I'm not totally against him being a heel. I, I do think they missed an opportunity there because of everything that Rollins has been through. But if and they're going to keep special it, is incredible, by the way. If you guys haven't watched on the WWE Network, uh, the Seth Rollins like injury special was great. It's hard to leave that and not root for the guy. It's it's just a matter of who his character is and where his character plays. Because if he's not winning the title back at Money in the Bank, that means we have you know some time until SummerSlam. And who does he end up in a program with? Um, uh, do you once again you hate my like long shot predictions? You yeah, always I really think do. I'm crazy as hell. But I I can see Dean Ambrose winning the. The Money in the Bank's briefcase, yo. And starting uh, the Shield triple threat that everyone wants. Ugh, I don't want to see that. Um, you don't want to see the Shield triple threat match? Not right not right now. Not, where Ambrose is right now. He's only good at main. But he's, yeah. he turns it on for those you know, main event status feuds. No, nah, I, I don't. And anyone don't. crazier with a briefcase than Ambrose? Kevin, Kevin Owens. Uh, Kevin outside Owens of Owens. Kevin. But Ambrose will do one hell of a job. When he stole the belt from Seth during their program, that shit was funny. He was in New Orleans just drinking with the belt. Yeah, I don't want to see. Like, he would be the fourth guy. I put him ahead of Jericho and Alberto DeRio, who two guys I think clearly have no shot at winning this Money in the Bank. Oh, if they give but, it to Jericho, you're going to be irate. Yeah, I, I don't think either, either of those guys have a shot. But I'd rather see Owens, Cesaro, or Sami Zayn get the Money in the Bank briefcase before Dean Ambrose does. Uh, talk about Money in the Bank real quick before you know we continue on, on the feud between Rollins and Reigns. Who do you think that last member is? Goodness. Um, I don't have a clue. <laughs> like, no. I have no idea. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say I think it's Neville. The return of Neville? Yeah. I I, they need the high flyer. You know, you don't have um, Kofi Kingston to do that, and people were expecting him to be in that IC title match, and Neville had the spot in the IC title match at WrestleMania and to do craziness, and then he gets injured. Um, I, I think it's Neville. I think Neville's going to show up and do some crazy flying shit. I mean, I, I, I'm not against that. You know, he got injured against Jericho. Uh, you know, he, this, these, this, all his indie friends are in this match, so mm-hmm. uh, why not? But, yeah. Um, Outside yeah. of that, I don't know who the hell it'll be. Yeah, I, I don't have a clue. I don't, I don't have a clue. I, I really think this is Kevin Owens' time, though. I think you can't miss the bus on him. Um, he, he's he's your sure shot total package. My thing he's, is, he's just so young, and Vince, like, age does hurt people in the WWE sometimes. So when you look at a guy who just turned 30, everyone else isn't getting pushes till 36, 37. Like, I... I I, I mean, feel Kevin like Owens they, is 32, dude. Like, he's, he's, he's not a, a spring chicken. He's not. I mean, um, his body has mileage on it. All these guys got mileage on it, thanks to the indies. But it, it's still just like, you know, like, Vince is like, oh, there's always next year. Yeah, but you got to know when you have money. And Kevin Owens is money. And, you know, 
if if Kevin Owens is going to be your future as a heel, like Dean Dean Ambrose holding the Money in the Bank briefcase right now doesn't do much for me. Like his character doesn't do much for me. Better right than Sheamus. We just saw Sheamus win this shit. Well, like, that was we just stupid. saw Sheamus. It was horrible. Yeah, it, this was stupid. I mean, we never know what Vince is thinking, but. You know, we'll see how it plays out. The resurgence um, of Del Rio. <laughs> he's going to make Del Rio with the briefcase. Bizarre. I mean, he's in the match, whatever. I mean, it, it's maybe, I don't know. Del Rio's greatest moment right now is sticking to page. So, you know, good. Shout good, out to him. him. He looks like the creepy old uncle. Yeah, he really does, man. I mean, Paige is what? She just started being able to legally drink in the States? It's yeah, crazy. it's crazy. He reminds me of uh, the old grandpa from the Proud family. Yeah. I'm telling you, put them side by side. Whoever's listening, Google "proud family grandpa." That's Alberto Del Rio right now. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, that's. I mean, that's raw. That's what was happening there. Uh, we'll see what happens with Rollins and Reigns. We'll, we'll see. Maybe there's a turn. You know, maybe they they turn Rollins' face and Reigns goes here. Uh, you know how much hope we got to hold out? If they haven't turned Roman Reigns yet, yeah, they're not going to turn him with Seth Rollins, Shit, man. I don't know. I, they, I feel like just locking Vince in a room with the Stone Cold Bret Hart footage just on loop. I'd be like, please yeah. do this shit again. Just he please. doesn't want to. He, he like he. It worked out so well. It's one of like the best moments in your company's history. People love this match. The double turn was ex- executed perfectly. Can you do this shit one more time? He's Who's better he's than not, Rollins. He's not ready for it, man. I mean, he he spent so much time grooming Roman Reigns and putting him into this position and. You know, using AJ Styles as a catapult, and now that AJ's turned heel, um, there, I don't think there's no way in hell we see Roman Reigns turn heel in the near future. And you know, slowly but surely, the crowd is turning. There's more people more in favor. They're not booing Reigns as much. Well, there's a shitload of women and children that love him. Yeah, like my nephew is—he's ten and he loves Roman Reigns. So it's like just grown ass men adults hate him. Yeah, so. it's, it's it's the Cena factor, but it's different because you know we got Roman Reigns shoved down our throats, but. It is what it is. Rollins is going to be a heel. I, it's just, I don't, I don't know. It's whatever. We'll see. <laughs> uh, let's talk about NXT then. WWE NXT The End coming yep. up next weekend. Um, with only an hour a week and a large NXT roster at this point for now, they've, doing, they've done one hell of a job with building these. Oh, uh, yeah. Telling a great story. You know, Finn hasn't been wrestling on television much, but him and Joe, their promo work has been great together. Samoa Joe's promo work is outstanding right now. Man, he's just always been good. I'm just glad he's finally, like, he's he should be the anchor of NXT. He is. That shit, they, they literally just had an interview with Corey Graves, and I was stuck to my television. Just Joe's body language, his mannerisms, them going back and forth. Uh, he brings the best out of Finn. Because Finn's not the greatest talker, he's not the greatest on the mic, but Finn is doing well with Joe. They have a great program together um just going down the list of matches real quick we're going to see the debut of andrade aka la sombra yep against ty dillinger our our favorite jobber in nxt perfect 10 ty dillinger um yeah it it seems evident that they are clearly uh going a direction with andrade la sombra and seeing you know and trying to take him to the next place uh maybe he's the clear favorite to win the cruiserweight uh open which starts a little over a month yeah, um, and uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they bought in the Cruiserweight title permanently for NXT. And you know what's ju- weird about that is that everybody in NXT is damn near a Cruiserweight. Exactly. So, I mean, it just, it's just like having an Intercontinental title. Uh, it only excludes like four people. So, I mean, it gives a dope second belt just for NXT 
that works really well. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. Um, but yeah, I mean, I got to see somewhere. You know, he opened up the. Uh, wait, and he's he, what is it? They call him Cien now, right? Because they call him Andrade Almas now. Yeah, um, uh, Andrade Cien Almas. It's a uh, yeah. hundred souls. Yeah, a little, little bit of a rebranding there. But, I, you know, when I went to take over during WrestleMania, he opened the dark match, and he looked good there. So they put a lot of stock in this guy. So we're going to get to see him in action. We're going to get to see what he has. Um, I'm intrigued, man. I'm, I'm intrigued. Uh, but let's move on. Sh- uh, Shinsuke Nakamura and Austin Aries. Yes. This should be good. That shit should be good. I mean, I, I've been waiting to see the Austin Aries that we saw for so long, you know, TNA, ROH. Um, weird-looking, long-hair Austin Aries from back in the day. You know, one of those matches. Like, let's see him go. Like, just let him go. And Baron Corbin match did nothing for him as far as, like, the public is concerned. I, I think this is going to change the narrative. And it seems as though Austin Aries is, like, full heel now. Just by no fault to his own, except the crowd just loves Nakamura so much that they booed the shit out of Austin Aries last week. Yeah, I mean, Austin Aries, you know, during his run in TNA when he was champ, which was actually a really good run and was underrated. Um, didn't he, he, knows uh, how, he stopped Joe's run, right? No, he didn't stop Joe's run. Kurt Angle stopped Joe's run. Oh. Um, God, who did Austin Aries take the title off of? I think it, I think this was a time, there was a time where I was tuning in and out of TNA, and I think this is one of those moments. And when Austin <laughs> Aries won the title... I started watching again. Then he lost, I believe, to Bobby Roode, and I was like, yeah, I'm over it. But Oh, when we actually probably see debut right after this. Yeah, we should see you know more Bobby Roode, more Eric Young. A lot of those guys, we should start seeing them more. But, yeah, Austin Aries hasn't had a chance to really turn it on on NXT, and this will be his moment. This will be his time to shine. And Austin Aries is a natural heel. You know, He's got natural heel elements to him. Um but, you know, this is another Shinsuke Nakamura exhibition. It's going to be hard to see who beats him first, and maybe it's Samoa Joe. No, definitely. Um, uh, that'd be a great feud. Once again, it's, it's kind of like we're just redoing TNA at this point in NXT, and I'm okay with that. You know, I, we've seen these feuds before, but a lot of people haven't. And this is yeah. one hell of a time to retell those feuds. So I'll do Aries versus Joe again. Um, Nakamura versus Joe, but it's... I feel like once Nakamura goes for the title, you kind of got to give it to him. So I, I don't. don't. I, I, I don't. I don't I think, want I think, to see that yet. I think, I think Joe, I think the best thing to do with Nakamura is, like, you can't leave him undefeated forever. You know, Nakamura has lost matches in the past. So, you know, you build up towards Brooklyn because I don't think Joe should be viewed as a transitional champ either. Like, you can build a long feud with Nakamura and Joe and, some, and probably some of the best wrestling that you'll have in, in the history of NXT between those two. Um you know, you think that Balor and Joe's good, good. Imagine, you know, the stiff style between those two. Good Lord. So Nakamura could beat Austin Aries, put himself in a position to face Joe at TakeOver, because I'm definitely picking Joe to beat Finn Balor. And, you know, start this, this real long-running feud between the two. Definitely. Um, Austin Aries, by the way, beat Bobby Roode for the title. Okay. That's what I, I thought. It would, yeah, that's who it was. All right, well, and like I said. And Kurt Angle after that. So, I mean, he had a pretty decent run in TNA, uh, the second go-around. Uh, what other matches do we have? Asuka versus Nia Jax. Yeah, Nia Jax, as much as we like her, she's still very green in the ring. Um, and, you know, her limitations start coming out when you face people like Asuka, who can do a lot and are forced to kind of tone it down because Jax is a little bit slower. Um, and still, you know, she still has some work to do. 
But this is an Oscar match here. Oscar, you know, uh, David versus Goliath, in a sense, uh, the female version. And Oscar everyone, will come away with yeah, another victory. Everyone against Nia Jax is David versus Goliath. Uh, we'll see. We'll see if uh, Oscar, you know, holds the title. I wouldn't mind, you know, her dropping it to Nia and then chasing her and getting it back in Brooklyn. Because right now, I mean, outside of Bailey, these are the only two women who are legit and ready to be in title contention. It's true. So, it's true. I mean, you know, if Nia Jax holds it as the monster heel for two months and then Oscar wins it back in Brooklyn, that's, that's a pretty good program. Uh, Nia Jax executed a perfect powerbomb on Oscar yesterday. That was so dope on, uh, you know, the latest tapings of NXT during their contract signing. So Oscar went for, like, one of her kicks, and she did, like, the, the spinning roundhouse kick, and Nia just caught her perfectly, leg up in the air, scooped the other leg, and powerbombed her. And I was like, oh, shit, I haven't seen a woman hit a powerbomb in years, in a, yeah. in a decade, since China. Yeah, and I no, was like, I mean, this has to be her finisher. No more Hulk Hogan leg drop, no more big boot. Like, let her just powerbomb chicks, and you'll see how much just heat and exposure Nia gets, because no one does that. Yeah, she's just limited in the ring. Like she, she's still very limited in the ring. So um, it, it'll be a good program, you know. I, I think uh, I think it'll be a fun match. I just, you know, don't necessarily see. Uh, no, it's not going to be technical. They have to tell a great story. Well, yeah, that's that's always you know the challenge is telling a great story when you have somebody like uh, Nia Jax, who again I, I'll talk about limitations, but you know you saw it against Alexa Bliss is that she she's good. She just has some work to do. Definitely. Uh, American Alpha versus The Revival, part duh. You know, I kind of am curious if this will be the time that America Alpha loses and comes to uh, the main roster. I think so. I'm glad you said it. Um, I, I think The Revival are set up as the first ever two-time tag team champions in NXT. And American Alpha is built so much off of that underdog role. That, you know, disappointment fuels them to do bigger and better things. I, I think it's time for them to move up. I think they're talented enough. I think uh, the main roster needs depth at the tag team division still. Even though the Vaude Villains did a great job coming up and Enzo and Cass are there and everything. But I, I think American Alpha can come up and really round stuff out. And, uh, you know, maybe they start a feud with the Puerto Ricans. Yeah, you never know. You never know. It's just I'm looking at the landscape of this, uh, the brand split. And the, you know that this means... That there's no doubt about it that some of these NXT guys got to come up sooner than later. So it just leads me to believe that there's a distinct possibility that American Alpha loses this match. No, no, I agree. I, I definitely agree. Um, what else do we have? Then we have the main event. First ever cage match in NXT history. Samoa Joe versus Finn Balor. Yeah, again, I think this is Joe's time. And I think it's, it's time right now to really establish Joe as the man in NXT. And by beating Finn Balor and sending, you know, we already know Finn Balor's a star, so there's no use to waste in wasting any time in putting this all together for him. So let's just get to it. You know, let's go ahead and put the belt on Joe, establish him as your monster heel champion, have somebody for Shinsuke Nakamura to chase, and we'll take it from there. Yeah, and Finn's moving up. Like, it's time. He's done everything he needs to do. He carried NXT when, you know, it was kind of in flux and you were waiting for these new guys to come in and if you're going to sign new guys and all that stuff. He did his job there. Now let him go up to the main roster. He's good. Establish his character up there and let Joe, you know, wreak havoc on NXT until it's his time to go up. Yep. Don't waste any time. You, we know what we got here. Exactly. Um, so that's pretty much our rundown of wrestling this week. 
uh, we're going to talk like two quick boxing points and then talk about what we're doing next week and then get the hell out of here. Um, we have Vargas versus Salido this week in boxing. Yeah, which is a, uh, I mean, uh, under the radar killed. fight, right? Like, yeah, how is yeah, this just not being talked about? I'm all for this fight, but somebody's about to get hurt. Oh, yeah, all, all bad. Um, Who are you picking? Oh, I'm leaning towards Salido right now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, but you would, you would think, but Vargas always won one punch away, you know? They're going to stand and trade. Like, you can't say in confidence who is going to win when they're just going to stand there and bang. And it's at StubHub Center. I've seen wild shit happen at StubHub. It's always a knockout. Nothing goes to the cards at StubHub. No, that's li- like that is literally the place where some excellent fights have happened. I got to see, I've seen quite a few fights and stuff. But I saw I actually, Triple G there once. Yeah, so I mean Vargas after the beating that he took um, in the uh, Takashi Mura fight. Um, you know what? I, you know I'm waffling now, man. I, I can't because <laughs> this is a tough fight to pick. I'm I'm having a hard time with this fight. I don't know. I, 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 I have to give it to Salido, but it's 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 going to be a war in there. Like I, I hope it goes at least nine rounds. It has yeah. fight of the year capability. Yeah, you know, it, both it really guys does. can be knocked down. You know, the guy can come back after being knocked down and then come back and land the KO. You just never know. It's going yeah. to be that fight. There's not going to be much defense. I'll tell you that much. No, there's not. I'm gonna, you know. <sighs> <laughs> All right, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and pick Francisco Vargas in this fight. I'm just going to do it. I'm going to go ahead and pick Francisco Vargas. We just can't um, agree on nothing today. <laughs> no, nah, we can't. And Orlando's been through a lot. You know, he, you know, he beat an undersized Lomachenko. Um, he's been in a lot of wars. But uh, I'm just, yeah, I, I think it's going it's, it's to be his time. It's, it's, I'm curious. And just to touch on something that happened last week, your boy Shane Mosley took the L, man. Is it time for him to walk away? It was time for him to walk away like three years ago. So no big surprises here. Um, it's it sucks because now that uh, you know the David won this fight, he's gonna get he's the mandatory for Sean Porter, Keith Thurman winner. But they really wanted to position Shane Mosley in the position to get slaughtered. So I'm glad he lost now instead of losing to Sean Porter, who he said he wouldn't fight, or Keith Thurman, who will destroy him. Oh, would have got his face knocked off. But that tells you the state of boxing where. Mosley at what, 43? 44 years old, about to turn 45, is one fight away from a title shot. Yeah, let it. It's, it's boxing. You know, this shit don't happen in the UFC. This is what happened in, in boxing. It's disgusting. Um, and shit, you know, I saw a little bit of the fight. Shane, he's washed, man. He's slower. He started off he's got... well, though. He faded quickly. Yeah, it's like, you know, it's like when you get on the basketball court after a long time, you're just like, oh, man, you run a full court, and you run sprints up and down the court, and then you realize, like, you're in over your head. Yeah. What happened to Shane Mosley? Yeah, life came at him real fast. Yep. Uh, yeah, so that's, that's pretty much our episode for this week. We want to thank everyone for listening. Next week, I will be in New York on vacation, and Andreas will be uh, on an island on a boat. Yeah. I'm going. I'm not, not going to be on a boat. I'm just going to be in Hawaii drinking out of a coconut. And actually, and not even drinking libations, man. I'm just drinking coconut water out of a coconut. Okay, I was still, about um, to say, you're still not drinking. Nah, still not drinking. But yeah, I'm, I'm t- taking a vacation, uh, taking the wife to Hawaii for a week. Um, her birthday's around the corner. So, you know, we found some decent price tickets. Well, we found some good tickets on the low and uh, got us, you know, a, a little condo out there and, you know, going to live it up for a week. 
Not bad at all. Not bad at all. Um, so we still have a show. We'll figure that out. I'll probably do the show from New York. And then the week after, Andreas will do the show when he gets back to Vegas. So we're going to have our little brand split here for a couple weeks. Yeah. And then we'll be back together gearing up for UFC 200 after that, uh, back at the fight shop. New equipment, set all set up, bringing guests through, really trying to you know kick off the second half of 2016 right. So make sure you guys follow us on all our social media, though. It's The Corner LSN, Twitter, Facebook, everything else you can find, Instagram. Uh, I'm at Kel Dansby on all platforms. Yep, and I'm at Andreas Hill. And until next week, we're out. Peace. When you make decisions for your company, you always look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing and shipping to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your process to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, books, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart if you sell online. Schedule package pickups through the dashboard and automatically see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are, even on the go. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other business decision makers with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.